Are you sitting comfortably? Good. Before we get started here tonight, I want to ask you a very simple question. What scares you? Is it as simple as the dark? Is it spiders? Is it a movie or a television show you saw when you were little? Perhaps a story you read in a book? Or is it something a little more specific you can't quite explain? I only ask this because the journey we're going on together is going to touch upon all those things that may or may not give you the chills. I love dark media, and I have for almost 10 years, but I've always wanted to expose myself and others to new exciting forms of creepy entertainment. This show will go to many different and exciting places in search of the odd, the creepy, and the downright unexplainable. And if that sounds like a good time to you and you're willing to join me on this trip, then turn off those lights and hold on tight because it is most certainly going to be a very bumpy ride. This is It Came From Queens. But where to start with this little jaunt into the world of the macabre, the mysterious, and the creepy? What better place than the internet? The World Wide Web is full of creepy shit, and I'm not talking about those special sites that you keep hidden in the tabs of your browser. No, I'm talking about creepypastas. Now that's not scary spaghetti, it's a funny little term given to short-form free horror stories on the internet. And while sadly most of them give way to hot garbage like Jeff the Killer and Sonic EXE, sometimes you get a real gem, like Candle Cove, The Russian Sleep Experiment, and tonight's little offering. Betsy the Doll is a truly good story, and I'm going to share it with you tonight. So lock up that toy chest, dig up those repressed childhood memories, and pour yourself a stiff drink, because this is Betsy the Doll, read for you right here on It Came From Queens. Like most people, I had a sad childhood. Who doesn't these days? My father left before I was born and my mother was on drugs from the day she brought me home. She slipped right back into her party lifestyle and turned our apartment into an opium den. I walked around in a drug-fueled haze for the first five years of my life. Smoky air flooded down the hallway and under my door and seemed to linger for days. My mother wasn't a bad person, just a victim of her addictions. When she did have spare money, she would put food in the house and even sometimes buy me clothes from Goodwill. The only pieces of furniture I had in my bedroom were a box spring and mattress set and a little blue and white toy chest. Not that I had a lot of toys to put in it, just the three I'd gotten for birthdays. One was an art kit, one was a red wagon, and the last, my pride and joy, was a doll named Betsy. Betsy was my best friend. We would have imaginary tea parties together, sleep together, take baths together, and sometimes I remember her speaking to me. Thinking about Betsy in adulthood has led me to believe that I was a severely traumatized child who was often high on opium and therefore my memories were extremely unreliable. Still, I remember the sound of her voice, a high-pitched tinkle lit, and I remember the things she wanted me to do, steal food for her, bring her forks, bring her knives, hit the bad man who slept on our couch. Always bad things that would get me in trouble. I would blame it on Betsy, but my mom would never believe me. Adults never do. Around my sixth birthday, I asked my mother for a birthday party. 
I wanted to invite the not-nice girls from school, serve them cake, make them like me. I still remember standing in the kitchen with such high hopes, a glass bottle of soda shaking in my hands as I held my breath and awaited my brother's answer. She turned to me and laughed. A birthday party? Laura, that's ridiculous. I can't afford to feed 15 other children that aren't even mine. I can barely afford to feed you. You eat like an elephant. Or should I say little Betsy does? I barely get anything to eat around here. My face fell as she shook her head, mumbled something, and stumbled off. I heard the music go up in the living room as more people walked in the door. Some left, some stayed. I knew none of them. My mother threw parties all the time. What about me? I was a child and all my friends had birthday parties. Now the mean girls would know that I was too poor to have one and they would tease me even more. I felt tears start to swell. I ran into my room and slammed the door. Betsy was laying on the bed, smiling. She was always smiling. How could I forget? Just staring at me. Smiling. She was going to tell me to do something bad. Like steal more food or worse. This was her fault. Betsy didn't have to go to school. Betsy never got in trouble like I did. In my five-year-old brain, I truly believed it was the doll. Not my mother was the source of all my woes. I screamed in anger, threw the bottle as hard as I could at the bed. It hit Betsy, and she fell on the floor. I laughed. <laughs> I dragged her into the bathroom and threw her in our bathtub, which always had water in it, as the drains were always clogged. Of course, she didn't fight back while she was underwater, but it made me feel better. A few minutes later, after I had finished taking out my anger and humiliation on my favorite toy, I threw in the toy chest and slammed it shut. I kicked the chest against the wall. I never wanted to see Betsy again. I never owned another doll after that. About a week later, the police came and two nice ladies took me to live in a new home in an entirely new state, with food and toys and no drugs. The trunk went into storage and the wagon disappeared. I never saw my mother again. As I got older, my foster parents admitted that she was in jail doing 25 years. I felt nothing for her anyway. I was still having nightmares because of the life she had given me. I focused on doing well in school and ignored her letters from prison. She reached out to me several times in my teens, but I always declined her calls. That is, until this morning. I am 30 now, with my own children and a husband who loves me deeply. I have a beautiful house, two dogs, and a career as a social worker trying to make a difference for kids who had it bad like me. So, when I got a voicemail from my mother letting me know that she had been paroled and wished to speak, I felt stable enough to let her say her piece. Since the kids were home from school, I went out to our shed in the backyard to return my mother's call. The shed was the children's domain and they used it to play in the summer. I sat on my old toy chest, which was currently being used as a tea party table, and dialed the number she had left me. Three rings. Hello? Laura? Hello, Mother. How are you? Oh, Laura, thank you for speaking to me. I know you have your own life now, and a family. I'd love to meet them someday. I just... I just wanted to tell you how sorry I am for everything. You are not meeting my kids. Ever. I am going to say my piece here, too. The drugs destroyed you, and you took me down alongside you. Honestly, I'm surprised it took you so long to get caught. I'm not sure what you mean about being caught. Laura, I honestly know nothing. Look, it hardly matters. I do understand why you would feel that way. 
why you would hate me and not want me to meet your little ones. I learned a lot about Jesus and forgiveness while I was away, just... Oh, Laura, I'm so sorry about Betsy. Betsy? I pause, confused. Why would you care about her? I know, I know, Laura. Believe me, I do. It was all my fault, the drugs, and... Betsy, oh god. If I'd only been able to see through the haze, if I'd only known... She's gone forever now, and it's my fault. As my mother began to cry, I tapped my fingers on the toy box impatiently. The drugs had clearly fried my mother's brain. Mother, why are you talking about Betsy? Why do you even care? I know where- and I know where Betsy is. She's right underneath me. You do? What are you talking about, Laura? Oh god, where is she? I shifted uncomfortably. Betsy's in the trunk. I honestly thought she'd hung up. I heard nothing on the other end. Not even breathing. What- what do you mean your sister's in the trunk? Sister- Sister, what the hell are you talking about? You back on drugs so soon, mother? Betsy's a goddamn doll. I locked her in the toy box a few days before you got arrested for opium possession. Laura. Oh, God, no. No, Laura. I wasn't arrested because of the drugs. I was arrested because of Betsy's disappearance. You always called her your little doll, but... I thought you all knew. Oh, God. What did you do, Laura? What did you do to my baby? With no emotion, I sat the phone next to me and stood up. I could hear the distant sound of my mother's anguished cries. I feel the dark clutch of agony in my own chest. Memories were stirring in the back of my mind, threatening to come flooding toward my consciousness. Pushing against a door in my head, a door that had been locked so tightly for so long, I'd forgotten it was there. Could the trauma and the drugs really have led me to believe that a small child was actually a doll? Asking for food, asking for utensils to eat with, asking me to, for, to protect her from the bad man? No. I slowly turned around and brought my eyes down to the chest. Surely it was too small. You couldn't fit a, fit a person in there. You couldn't. What about a very small, starving, emaciated child? What about her? If I were an investigator looking for a child, I would never even consider looking in this chest. It was just too small. I knelt down to the ground and unclipped the clasps. It would be better not to look. After all that I had overcome, this new life that I had earned, it would all be undone by opening this toy box. I shouldn't open it. I should throw it in a landfill and forget it ever existed. I should not look inside. I opened the chest. I never had a doll. My mother could never afford to buy me one. Never had a wagon either. But I did have a toy box. A pretty blue and white toy box. When I was five, I drowned my two-year-old sister and put her in it. And now my life is ruined. Everyone okay? Not quite where you were expecting, were ya? 
That is to be expected. That is the major hook of the story. This is not the story of a cheesy killer doll like Chucky from the Child's Play movies. Just the story of a sad little girl whose mind was so warped by the terrible world around her, she saw her own emaciated sister as a literal plaything that could fit in a toy box. I love the mood, I love the tone of this story, I love the overall twist that it builds up to, and I personally hope I did a good job doing it justice. And for any mess-ups or flubs along the way, I apologize, I am getting better at this as time goes on. We will most definitely be returning to the world of creepypastas a lot here on It Came From Queens, and I thank you so much for joining me on this inaugural broadcast. It's time for me to go, but don't forget you can follow the official It Came From Queens Facebook page, and you can follow us on Twitter at ICFQ18 on Twitter. We'll be back next time with a review of a popular little TV show I've been meaning to get to. As for what it is specifically, answer me this. What does your iPhone look like when the screen goes black?